0: My name is Scott Chaloner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our program will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, I'm delighted to welcome Dave Chaplin onto today's show. Dave, welcome.
1: Hi, Scott. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show. Good to be here.
0: Likewise, a pleasure for me having you on the uh, the program as well, Dave. And just for those listeners that might not be familiar with him, he is a contracting expert, published author and founder of IR35 Shield, a platform which enables businesses to conduct fast and accurate IR35 status assessments in order to help ensure compliance. Um, he also established a contractor calculator, which is an online resource that's used by contractors, freelancers and the self-employed as well. So fairly um, expert in the field, I think it's uh, fair to say. Um, Dave, I suppose that was the, uh, the more succinct description of what it is that you specialise in. So just for those that might not have heard of you, perhaps you could sort of just expand upon that and just tell us a little bit more about what you do.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, I was a, um, a contractor myself um, in the City of London in the uh, mid-90s, and I used to lead teams of developers to build online banks Um, I come from the era of programmers that started when there was actually no internet, um, hence all the gray hair. Um, And um, so having been a contractor then in the nineties, I was, I I was around when um, the then inland revenue decided to introduce something called IR 35. It's where they wanted to um, collect more tax from freelancers because they considered that some of them were disguised employees. Mm -hmm. So, Back then, well, it was twenty-two years ago. Now it's when my obsession with this particular topic started, and I've been obsessed with it ever since. And and with contracting in general, and I'm just sort of a uh, a champion for the freelancing and, and contracting sector.
0: And all of this work, I suppose, is essentially off payroll. That's the uh, the sort of definition, isn't it? So if we look at that a little bit more, what actually is off payroll working? How would you define it?
1: Um. Well, if If you're on payroll, you are an employee. Mm. Um, So if you're not an employee, you are off payroll and you are hired in another way. So you could be a sole trader um, or you might be working via your own limited company. You could be in a partnership, but you're just not on the payroll of that particular company that you're providing your services to.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So you're not subject, therefore, to pay as you earn at source, basically. That's the uh, the essence of this, isn't it?
1: That's essentially what it comes down to, yes. I mean, the, the word off payroll itself um, originated in 2012. It was something that came up in the Public Accounts Committee, and they were looking at all of the engagements in the media sector, particularly the BBC at the time. Um, so typically, we all used to talk about IR35, and that was a thing to do with deemed employment, And now we talk about off-payroll. It's kind of a rebrand of the different word, but everyone still calls things IR35, really, to to apply to all sets of legislation related to this particular aspect.
0: Absolutely. And um, what are the sort of recent developments then with off-payroll? Because we have heard a lot of noise from governments about this, um, about new sort of IR35 legislation, haven't we? But there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of ground to be sort of made up on that, from uh, what I can gather.
1: Well... Um, there was quite a wobble, actually, um, on the 23rd of September. Um, that was when, uh, we have to remember which Prime Minister was then, that was Liz Trust and mm-hmm. uh, Chancellor quasi Kwarteng. They had their mini-budget, and they had proposed in that mini-budget that they were going to repeal the off-payroll reforms that came in the public sector in 2017 and 2021. So for a while, until Jeremy Hunt took over um, we were in the zone where we thought all of this legislation was going to be cancelled and and things would go back to the old way of working that didn't happen and we're now back to having this whole off payroll legislation for I guess for a very long time now
0: so what issues are there with off payroll that required the legislation to to essentially come into force then
1: well it, it really stems from um the mission hmrc started in uh, april 2000 um when they when ir35 first came in the reason it's called ir35 just to be a bit dull and boring um it's it used to be the inland revenue back then uh, hence ir and it was note number 35 that announced this this premise of there being such concept of um deemed employees where if we take away the limited company and look at the Um, relationship between the contractor and the client, is that one of employment or not? And if it is employment, then different taxes should be be applied and more taxes should be applied. Now, in the old world, the contractors were supposed to make these determinations themselves. And it's not surprising that when they had to ask themselves the question, are you a deemed employee or not? And the impact being that they would probably lose 20% of their income they largely all decided that perhaps they weren't, um, and many of them are making the wrong decisions. So the change that's come in, um, and it's largely the private sector from 2021, is the, the big change for most contractors. The hiring firm now does the assessment and decides whether the engagement is one of deemed employment or not, and whether that, that money that's paid to the contractor should be treated as employment income, PAYE.
0: That makes sense. And I suppose, given that it's in the hands of the uh, the hiring companies, I'm guessing that when you have sort of a situation with um, an umbrella company, for instance, is this where sort of you're seeing offences happen? So maybe they're not necessarily categorising it properly, and therefore they're avoiding paying out on sort of national insurance contributions, and therefore the public purse is losing out as a result of this. And essentially, um, the uh, who who could be penalised isn't necessarily the umbrella company, but it's the worker, isn't it?
1: Well, there is more tax to pay. The the large part of the perceived avoidance, and, and we could spend hours talking about whether they are really losing any tax or not. Mm. Um, but of the perceived amount of tax that is avoided, um, about 85% of that is due to employers' national insurance, which is the tax that a hirer has to pay on top of someone's salary. Mm. So if you hire an employee it's thirteen point eight percent. Um whereas if you hire a contractor you don't have to pay that. Now the old rules said, well, if the contractor is um shall we say inside IR thirty five, that's sort of the phrase people use now, they would also they would have to pay employee taxes but also pick up that extra tax bill that the hirer would normally pay. Hmm. Now, in the new world, um where the client does the assessments, we've still got a bit of a problem with the legislation, which is called the offsets problem, where the, if the hirer gets the decision wrong and HMRC knock on the door later, then they have to pay the employer's NI, which makes sense, but they also have to pay the employer's employee's NI, that's insurance, and all their PAYE, and the contractor pays no tax. Um, they actually end up paying no tax at all. So, There's still a problem, and the problem there now is that there's a disproportionate risk for the hirer when they're considering the IR35 status of their contractors because if they decide that it it, it is outside IR35 and that's later overturned by HMRC, there's a massive bill to pay. Now, this offsets problem is being looked at by HMRC, and we will see a resolution at some point. And what this basically means is um you the hirer has a tax bill, but whatever tax the contractor's already paid, that just gets taken off. Mm. So that should that should make things a lot more fairer. Um and firms may well then engage more um with the regime and not be overly risk averse and push everybody into PAYE or umbrella companies.
0: So I suppose what needs to happen really from the industry perspective is we do need to see these solutions coming in and the, uh, the legislation reformed sooner rather than later and properly enforced. But I suppose the sticking point to that could be, well, if the trust government was planning to repeal the legislation, could we perhaps see a return to that approach in future and we maybe end up just going back to the old ways?
1: Um, my personal opinion is we had our chance for a repeal and that will never happen now. Um, I can't see that happening. Um, as we approach tax, para- tax parity between the amount of tax that's collected by an employee or someone working for a limited company, then that that's the only thing that will make this legislation go away, both the existing legislation for off-payroll and IR35, because they both coexist. They are still both in play. But that's the only thing that really, really get rid of this this problem for everybody. but. We've been waiting 22 years for that to happen, and it hasn't happened yet, and I don't see it happening going forward.
0: So if a repeal isn't likely, if we're to actually enforce the legislation properly, what does the government need to bring in, and what do you sort of want to see from the industry point of view?
1: Well, I would certainly like them um, to resolve the offsets problem, Um, and I know that they are doing that. Um and I'm confident that that will happen ideally soon. I'd like to see something go in the next finance act um if not they could put something in via a statutory instrument perhaps next year so I'd like to see them resolve that they they do have a um they have they had they do have another problem with the um off payroll regime, which would be one reason why it should be repealed in its entirety mm. and that is that um the decision, the binding law now that was made in the Atoll House decision from the Court of Appeal in April this year, um, the judges there said that when you're doing a determination, you need to take into account also not just that engagement that that contractor's working under, but also their history of providing the same or similar services to other clients. Hmm. Well, how can they do that? They don't know. They don't have that information. And that does put a very onerous burden on each of those – on the clients to to make sure each assessment is done properly on a case-by-case basis. Um, and in many cases, the contracts won't be able to reveal all of the uh, work that they've done in the past for other clients because that would be confidential. So mm. there's kind of a, a structural flaw with the legislation, um, which should mean it will be repealed, but I actually don't think it will be.
0: If it isn't repealed then, do you think there are there is the scope for sort of fundamental changes to sort of almost make a concession on that? Because as you say, I mean, I think the the intent is good, but sort of the practical implementation with that as a condition, it's simply just not going to work, is it?
1: Well, um, I agree with you that the intent is right. I totally agree with with the intent. Um, um but the implementation at the moment isn't where it needs to be. Mm. So There can be fixes to that. Um, Now, the, the, the Court of Appeal decision, I'm going back to that one again, the one in April, had some other key parts of case law that were clarified in there that were contrary to how HMRC's interpretation of the case law over previous years. Now, if firms get on board with the current case law and they get their ducks in a row, they really don't have too much to fear if they do things properly. Mm. But so there's really an education piece that needs to be done now so that firms can hire contractors on an outside IR35 basis and be confident they've got things right. But they need to align with the current law.
0: And that's the problem, isn't it? It's, uh, it's how many of them aren't aligned with the law, either intentionally or unintentionally. And I guess maybe we don't necessarily know the full scale of that yet. We don't.
1: I mean, I can anecdotally tell you that we see all sorts. Um, we see clients who have definitely got it wrong, and they kind of know that they've got it wrong, um, and they didn't really try very hard, and they're just hoping for the best. Um, you see clients who think they've got it right, but actually they did, didn't do a very good job, and they don't know they didn't do a very good job. Um, and then you've got the clients that have done an excellent job. So it's, it's rather worrying, and I, and I am concerned that because it's such a complex, topic to engage with as a hirer. This isn't simple to engage with the the topic of status. Mm. There are firms out there that are sitting ducks and don't know they're sitting ducks and HMRC could step in, they could go around they could start clubbing these businesses who are operating um, growing, hiring people, helping the economy grow and they didn't really mean to get it wrong but they might have got it wrong because they didn't really know Um, and that That bothers me. That worries me, that level of uncertainty. So I think HMRC, it would be good if they could adopt an approach of just helping them to get it right going forward and perhaps be a bit more um, forgivable about uh, cases in the past where they've really tried but haven't quite got it right.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because what we don't want is businesses that mean well and are trying to essentially get their house in order, facing that potential cliff edge in future, especially, as you say, if they're in that sort of status of growing and really helping reinvigorate the economy, certainly in the context of the here and now with the downturn that we're we're currently experiencing and are set to experience for the the whole of next year. So having talked about sort of what we I kind of like to see by way of legislation, how we'd like it to be changed and what the industry needs to do with that. Um, what actually is in line for IR35 moving forward as you've seen it? What's happening next in this uh, in this field?
1: Well, as I say, I think we'll see the, the offsets issue resolved. Um, I don't think we'll be seeing any other sort of legislation coming out at all. There's been calls for years to say, hey, can we have a a test in statute for what it means to be an employee. Um, But I jokingly say that anyone who thinks they understand employment status doesn't quite understand employment status. It's not that simple. If there really was a simple test that everyone could use, then it would have been done by now. So unfortunately, we are going to be stuck with the complexity. Um, But going forward, I think we will see more firms engaging with it. I think the traditional models um, are going to lose out. So typically firms would hire large numbers of contractors via agencies, or you'd have the larger agency at the top and then smaller agencies below that and so on. I think that model is going to change. Um, And I think that, and and we're certainly seeing this, we're seeing firms now move to more output-based types of working Mm. where there are measurable deliverables And they will engage with consultancies rather than agencies in order to then deliver um, that measurable deliverable uh, whilst engaging contractors as associates. I think we're moving much more to that type of target operating model than just using agencies to find people. So that's one big change I see. Mm. Um, And for for those consultancies that are in this zone, they also, particularly if they're small, I'd say, they need to be mindful because if you're a small consultancy at the moment then you don't have to engage with the off payroll regime mm. because there's a, there's a, there's an exemption for small consultancies so at the moment they kind of have the luxury whereby the contractors they use do their own assessments but the problem is if you've the, the future problem could be if you're building a consultancy you're trying to build value you're thinking that you might sell that consultancy at a later date. If you're bought by a medium or large firm, suddenly the off payroll rules do apply. Mm. So there will be a massive due diligence piece, and we are involved in the M&A market, and we, we we have to look at small consultancies and say, are they fit for purpose? If they're bought by a large firm, does the model still work? So those consultancy owners need to be very mindful of what's coming down the line from... People like ourselves who then look at them on a due diligence basis to, to maintain their value. So that they're not really building a model that's leveraging a tax avoidance um, motive, I would say.
0: Absolutely, because there's a lot of risks that come with that and um, obviously you're experts in sort of compliance and making sure that businesses can, you know, carry out the assessments to make sure that they are getting their sort of ducks in a row, as you say, and are complying with the law. So um, I suppose in terms of what business leaders really need to be aware of, making sure that they're in their compliance, what are the kind of key things that you would recommend that business leaders really do now? What steps do they need to take? Um, well, Fundamentally,
1: when doing assessment, it's essential to make sure that the contract is um, looked at. That is, is the starting point. Um, I mean, going back 20 years, sometimes you would hear people say that the working practices are more important than the contracts. Um, that's not the case since April. I mean, it's never really been the case. The contract is the starting point. But sometimes you could argue, um, using case law, that the contract wasn't quite what it says. Um, and you would use, you know, the behaviours of the contract and what's happened during the contract to argue otherwise. You can't do that anymore, not after what the binding law from the Court of the appeal. Um, so I think absolutely make sure your contracts are well drafted and reflect the working conditions. That's what firms should be doing. Um, and they should be gathering some evidence during the contract to sort of shore up that position and, and prove that that engagement is what they say it is. Because if HMRC knock on the door, you don't want to be four years later trying to scrabble around and find evidence that's difficult to get a hold of. Collect it at the the time and, and don't cut any corners with this. Do a good, robust job and you're not the one that HMRC will want to look at because there will be others that aren't doing as good a job as you.
0: That's exactly right. And for any business leader, you know, that might be tuning into this particular podcast and might be thinking, well, am I compliant? I mean, and you do want to just sort of look into this a little bit further. I mean, I think um, IR35Shield.co.uk is a good port of call. That's your website, isn't it, Dave, to start with?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, we offer all sorts of services in addition to assessment services. Um, we do something called stress testing, which is where we kind of put our HMRC hats on and go and look at what people are doing and and, uh, help them to try and do things better. We can certainly do that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, because this is so complex, this isn't something where you want to try and do it yourself too much, particularly where there's, there's lots of risk. Um, Because if HMRC do knock on the door, then you want to make sure that you never have to end up going to a costly tax tribunal. That's Mm. a nightmare for firms. I mean, if you, if, If your firm is embroiled in tax litigation with HMRC, no one's going to buy you. You have no value. You've pretty much lost your whole value. So take a preemptive approach to this and get it right from the start. And then you know that you're building value going forward. And if the wolf knocks at the door, all bases are covered.
0: Exactly right. And to find out a little bit more about IR35 and Off Payroll Explained, uh, that is actually the title of one of Dave's own works uh, published just uh, two years ago. would certainly recommend going and having a look at that. And there's also the Contractors Handbook, which comes in three different editions as well. Dave, for further information also that uh, listeners can perhaps go and consult to find out more.
1: Yes, indeed. I, I think that the Contractors Handbook probably needs an update uh, because I haven't put Off Payroll into the third version yet. Um, it's quite a tomb, that book, um, sorry, for a thousand pages I believe. I would say the starting point for IR35 would be the IR35 and, and Off Payroll Explained. Very good starting point. If you go to the website, you can get the first three chapters for free. Then I think it's uh, a tenner I think from Amazon to um, get a copy.
0: Absolutely fantastic and for anybody as well listening in who might want to you know submit their own comment or experience about uh, IR35 legislation whether you've been sort of compliant with it or wanting to be compliant with it or whether you've maybe fallen foul of it before uh, please feel free to get in touch with us at the Leaders Council you can do that via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us to leave a comment or a question for Dave and we'll of course forward that on to him if any such uh, questions are received and um, as well as that um, if you do have your own perspective that you want to bring directly to the discussion Table with us. Um, you too can apply to be on the programme and come and talk about this issue or any other topical matter of interest, and that'd be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply, just to make you aware of that. Um, for now, it's been a fantastic, Dave, welcoming you onto the, uh, the programme and thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience on this uh, quite complex topic with us. I'm sure the, uh, the listeners uh, will uh, sort of share my gratefulness for that, and uh, I think it would be good as well to maybe catch up on this topic in future uh, when we see the latest developments in the sector and can maybe review exactly sort of what's happened in between our discussions
1: indeed i think it certainly be worth having a, a conversation in a year to see what's changed um and thank you for inviting me on the program
0: And hopefully, we'll see some positive trajectory in that space as well. Um, I do hope that everybody listening into the show thoroughly enjoyed hearing from Dave Chaplin, founder of IR35 Shield today. And uh, as I say, do please submit your questions if you do have anything um, that was unclear that you want clarified from today's episode. Um, As always, I've been your host, Scott Chaloner, on today's show. This has been the Leaders Council podcast, talking all things IR35 legislation. And until next time, when we'll be back with a whole new perspective on leadership, Current Affairs. Uh, Please do take care all and goodbye.